0: So as we know and as we just acknowledged that across the whole country today in the U.S. it is Mother's Day. Um, What you may not know is that as a preacher, I do not really like most secular holidays, especially the ones that fall on Sundays. And it's not because I'm worried that people will make other plans and not be here or not be on the live stream on, uh, the, for the worship. In fact, if I knew that no one was going to be coming or tuning in, then it would actually be easier. Because the problem for me as a preacher is, and for generally for all preachers is, that those who do participate in the service, often expect that the sermon and the prayers, particularly, will address the designation of the day, whatever it is, fathers, mothers, patriotism. And mixing scripture and the secular focus for the day can be like mixing unstable compounds and chemicals. Take today as an example. The ideal for this day is beautiful and wonderful. A day, at least one day every year to celebrate and to give thanks for mothers. Wonderful, great. But almost every single congregation gathered on this day will have at least one person who didn't have a very good mother, or even worse, whose mother was mean or cruel. Someone whose mother died young. Someone who wanted to be a mother, but wasn't or isn't. Someone who is a mother, but whose child died before they did. All of these are the shadow side of Mother's Day. As a preacher, how do I celebrate all the positive and all the good without neglecting those who are experiencing some of the negative. And do that all within under 20 minutes. But every now and then, it's a blessing. And the holy and the holiday align. Scripture and the secular serve together. And today is one of those days, but in a very ironic way. Last week, we looked in our opening sermon on the Apostles' Creed. We looked at the opening phrase, I believe in God. And this week, we take one step farther by adding the title, I believe in God the Father. As I said with the kids, talking about God the Father on Mother's Day seems initially... Maybe cruel even, but I told you it was ironic, rather. Because as we look at what it means for us to call God Father, we will see that it not only opens the way for us to call God Mother, it actually demands that we do so. Jesus wants all human beings to experience God as a child experiences loving parents. And in order for us to experience the fullness of God's love like that, we must reclaim the biblical images of God as both father and mother. Certainly calling God father is something that many of us, if not most of us, have accepted as normal, as a norm of the church. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he said, do so like this, say our Father who art in heaven. Followers of Christ since day one have addressed God as Father in the Lord's Prayer, as we do also every week in the Lord's Prayer. At another point, Jesus, re- Jesus referred to God as my father and your father. One of the last commands that Jesus gave to his followers before entering into the realm of heaven was for them to baptize disciples into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Speaking to God as the Father or our Father is something Jesus clearly encouraged all of his followers to do. But the reason Jesus did this has nothing to do with assigning a sex or a gender to God, or specifically a male gender. As we talked about last week, this being or this reality for which we use the word God is more than everything that we know and comprehend, including sex and gender. The full spectrum of what we comprehend as sex and gender and more beyond that is all within God. Our Hebrew First Testament reading this morning is a foundational scripture for us in relating all these issues with God. Again, then God, and it's the plural, Elohim said, let us, notice again, us, plural. Let us make man, and at the time it was just the word for man, in our image. But again, even though it's make man in in an image, it's our image. And in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish, et cetera, et cetera. So God, Elohim, plural, created man in God's own image. In the image of God, they created him, them, male and female. God created them. It's both male and female and more that image God, male and female together in the fullness of of both and all the spectrum in between. The reason that Jesus encouraged us to look at God, look to God as father is not because God is a man or God is male. Rather, Jesus entirely redefined our relationship to God as human beings. God had been considered so holy and so powerful, so other, that some of the Israelites wouldn't even speak the Hebrew name of God that was written in the scriptures. God was to be honored and revered to a point of fear. It was believed that if a human being glimpsed the full glory of God's presence, they would be struck dead immediately. The point Jesus was making When he encouraged his followers to call God Dad was that God is not only holy and powerful and other, God is also loving and caring and present like a father with their kids. God is someone to relate to as a child would with their dad is what Jesus was after. In fact, Jesus used his own Homeward, word his, in Aramaic, the word for dad, not a formal father. Abba was more dad than father. In order to emphasize this loving connection with God. Jesus completely redefined the relationship from merely servants attending a monarch to kids adopted into God's family. In terms of images that I was trying to think of that might illustrate this change that happened for people that would be more familiar to us. I was thinking it's a bit like imaging God as Donald Trump in the White House and we were part of the kitchen staff. And then Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 no. Do you remember that picture with John F. Kennedy as president when he was in the Oval Office behind the desk and little John Johns in front of the desk on his hands and knees in his little shorts and outfit playing around, completely content that he's in the same room with his dad. He's not intimidated that this is the President of the United States, it's his dad. And, and Kennedy's glad that he's there, it seems like. I mean, he's letting John John play around. Jesus is saying, that's God in you. Jesus was opening the eyes of the world to the intimacy of the relationship that God wants with all human beings. But I do not believe that Jesus ever meant for this image of God as the Father to be the one and only image of God for us to contemplate or the one and only title or identification to use to speak of God. The scriptures are full of all sorts of images and ways to speak of God. Rock, fortress, eagle, mother hen, helpmate, ways to identify by name, Yahweh, Elohim, Abba, and I use those in their original language because it's a reminder to us that all the things that we use in English to speak of God or image God are just that. They're images that aren't even the original words that were images themselves. We're translating always these different images to give a full picture of God. And both the Hebrew First Testament and the Greek New Testament are full of images and references to God as mother. That psalm that I mentioned, like a a weaned child with its mother, am I? Again, um, our, our Hebrew reading for this morning speaks of God as plural, and essentially giving birth to humankind, male and female together being the image of God. The Hebrew word that we translate into English as mercy is based on the Hebrew word for womb, rachem, or recham, excuse me. So throughout this First Testament, All these references to the merciful love of God or God's mercy, more literally, are references to the womb love of God, the maternal mother love of God. In the gospel reading for this morning, I love the allusion that Jesus makes to God as mother. I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Jesus says, I mean, Nicodemus says, how does that happen? I mean, we're too big to go back to our mother's womb now. And he says, no, you're not, because God is your mother. And unless God gives birth to you as a whole new creation, you are not fully in the kingdom of God. The interesting thing about this is conservative, our our conservative evangelical brothers and sisters love the image of being born again. That's the key to being a Christian. But they generally pass right on by the fact that in order to be born again, mom has to give us birth. God as our mother. Later in the gospel, Jesus looks at Jerusalem from a, a distant hill, looks across and says, How often have I longed to embrace you, your people, Jerusalem, like a, a mother under my wings like a mother hen. But you resisted. And even the words from Paul that I read both last week and again this morning make a similar allusion as Jesus to God as our mother. Paul said to the, the folks gathered at the Areopagus in uh, Athens, in God, in God, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his, God's offspring. One commentator put it this way. When is the only other time in our lives where we live and move and have our being inside of another being. It's only when we are in the womb of our mother. So I believe that in order for us to experience the fullness of love that God has for all of us, we need to be able to understand that we are all God's children and that God loves us the way parents love their children. Since none of us have perfect parents, and none of us who are parents are perfect, calling God either father or mother specifically and or exclusively may not bring the best connotation. Therefore, It is vital for us in our worship and our prayer to include both images. God is both our Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Mother. And God's love to us as Father and Mother can actually help us heal from any of those things that went wrong in our primary relationships with Father and Mother with dad and mom. I believe Jesus wants all people to experience the fullness of God's love for us, and I believe that that means we must picture God in the fullness of the ideal love of both father and mother. Some of you uh, have noticed that in the past few years, I have added words to the benediction I give at the end of the worship service. For about probably two decades, I would say simply, may the grace of God the Father, uh, I mean, excuse me, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father, and may the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. This is almost a word-for-word benediction from one of Paul's letters. And I love that in general because it's ancient and it's holistic and it's biblical and concise. But it's also lacking. So I now include the love of God the mother when I give that benediction. And every time I refer to God as the father in sermons, I include God the mother because I believe it helps us to understand and experience God's love in a fuller, healthier, and biblical way. I also wanna use this moment to explain another change in my language for God that you may notice in the weeks ahead and going forward. Many of us uh, have become aware of how significant The use of personal pronouns can be he, him, she, her. The use of pronouns designating a specific gender has far more impact on some persons than I know I was aware of and I think many of us had been aware of. Pronouns again, he, him, she, her. Using gender specific pronouns uh, for God has also been a problem for me personally, as a preacher, for a long time. Because as we've seen from our scriptures, God is the fullness of the whole spectrum of gender, and even more. So using he, him of God limits our image of God, our understanding, our experience of God, at the same time using he, she, him, her, every time a personal pronoun is used for God would be awkward. And also at the same time, referring to God as it or its diminishes our experience of God's love as personal and intimate. So what do we do? Well, in the midst of all the recent discussions about identity, I'm sure many of us have noticed that some individuals have started using the pronoun they, them, even though they are just one person, because it it seems to better match their understanding of themselves as neither exclusively male nor exclusively female, and so, them, they, gives this idea of it's more than just one thing. I have come to feel that the pronouns they, them, are the perfect pronouns for God. As Christians, we have always believed that though God is one, God is also in three persons, plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, now Father, Mother, Son, Holy Spirit, And as we've talked about this morning, using the identifier father demands that we recognize God as mother also. Even as far back as the opening of our holy scriptures, in Genesis, that chapter that I read, God reveals themselves as more than one person, more than one gender. Elohim is plural. God made humankind, man, woman, male, female, in their image. All that is to say that, going forward, you may hear me, depending how much courage I have to do it, referring to God as they, them, instead of he, him, or she, her. I may substitute they, them when speaking of God, because we're all learning and growing and trying to do our best. And the most important point of all of this for this whole morning and beyond is that we learn and grow most in our experience of God's love. That, experiencing the fullness of God's love, that was the reason that Jesus first encouraged us to call God Dad. That is the reason that we proclaim, I believe in God the Father. That is the reason that I now also proclaim the love of God from the mother. We are all children of God. And on this day for celebrating and giving thanks for the experience of maternal love in the person of our mothers, my prayer is that we will know and celebrate and give thanks for the experience of maternal love in the person of God, our mother, as well. Amen.